This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with adult attorney Corey Silverstein of Silverstein Legal in part one of a two-part segment. At Adult Site Broker, we're proud to announce our latest project, thewaronporn.com. You'll find articles from industry websites, as well as mainstream publications from around the world. It's designed to raise awareness of our industry's plight in the war on porn and the numerous attacks on our industry and online free speech by hate groups, the religious right, and politicians. You'll find all that and more at thewaronporn.com. You've probably noticed our new podcast site at adultsitebroker.com. It has a more modern look with easier navigation and more information on our guests, including their social media links. For more, go to adultsitebrokertalk.com. And we've doubled our affiliate payouts on ASB Cash. Now, when you refer sellers or buyers to us, you're going to receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale an innovative marketing agency that specializes in managing the top 0.01% OnlyFans profiles in the world. It's just under a year old, but is growing very rapidly. They fully manage creators' workflow from promotion to monetization. They've developed an internal CRM that empowers the sales management, marketing, automation, and analytics. This is one of the most relevant advantages of the agency that allows it to drive in-target traffic to profiles and monetize them. The company is already doing over 2 million euros in annual revenue from just over 20 creators. They have a database of over 1 million contacts and 600,000 unique user accounts. This is an outstanding opportunity for anyone to enter the world of OnlyFans management and immediately become one of the top agencies in the world, along with its software, processes, and know-how, which will allow you to bring models up to three times their initial gross monthly revenue. Or, established agencies can acquire the company and expand their business. Only 2.59 million euros. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Corey Silverstein of Silverstein Legal. Corey, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Pleasure's all mine, Bruce. I've actually been jealous because you've done so many of these episodes and finally you decided to invite me. Yeah, I know. I'm terrible. So let's tell everyone about you. Adult industry lawyer Corey D. Silverstein is the managing and founding member of the law offices of, you guessed it, Corey D. Silverstein, also known as Silverstein Legal. Corey is licensed to practice law by the states of Michigan, Arizona, Georgia, New York, and the District of Columbia. His practice focuses on representing many areas of the law that impact the adult industry. His clientele includes hosting companies, affiliate programs, content producers, payment processors, website operators, dating websites, webcam sites, traffic brokers, affiliates, ad networks, social media sites, and performers, just to name a few. 
Corey regularly provides legal services related to age verification, record-keeping requirements, intellectual property, DMCA, Section 230, the Restore Online Shoppers Confidence Act, that was a new one on me, FTC Compliance, First Amendment and Free Speech, Obscenity, Corporate Law, Criminal Defense, Internet Law, Domain Disputes, Data Privacy, and various other areas of the law. You mean there's more? He's an acclaimed litigator and dispute resolution specialist. His practice also concentrates on complex contracts, business structure, and business formation. Corey prides himself on providing prompt and aggressive representation tailored to each of his clients' individual needs, and I can vouch for that. He's regularly featured in adult industry periodicals such as AVN, XBiz, and Why Not, and has been quoted and published in mainstream media, including the New York Times, Fox News, MSNBC, the Miami Herald, the Washington Post, the Detroit News, home game there, and the Associated Press. He's a regular speaker at trade shows and conferences across the world, including Internext, the late great Phoenix Forum, the FSC Summit, the Xbiz Show, Webmaster Access, the LAL Expo, the European Summit, and the Quebec Expo. Amongst his numerous professional affiliations, Corey is a member of the First Amendment Lawyers Association, the Foundation for Individual Rights and in Education, the Free Speech Coalition, and the Association for Sites Advocating Child Protection, or ASACP. He's a board member with Pineapple Support. Corey has won numerous awards, including being distinguished as a Super Lawyers Rising Star in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. I guess you're not rising anymore. <laughs> He's also won awards from the National Trial Lawyers, Lawyers of Distinction, Who's Who Legal, the American Institute of Criminal Law Attorneys, and the American Society of Legal Advocates. He has a perfect 10 out of 10 rating with the leading attorney review website, avvo.com. Corey has also been a guest on talk radio, local news, and a guest speaker at the University of Michigan and Michigan State Universities. You can follow him on Twitter at MyAdultAttorney. His website is adult.law. And I'm sorry, Corey, that's all the time we have for today. Excellent. All right. It's been a pleasure to be here, man. <laughs> my main website is actually myadultattorney.com. Adult.law is my website that was created for performers. Got it. Got it. Got it. Hey, man, I'm just reading what you gave me. So um, <laughs> I may or may not have been <laughs> fully awake when I sent you that email. I'm going to bet against it. So sleep is extra, right? Tell us a bit about your background, anything I didn't mention, and your education. I mean, you know, I got to be honest with you, Bruce, you kind of covered most of my professional life there. But uh, education-wise, I studied at uh, Purdue University for undergrad. I was uh, very proud to be a Boilermaker, still very uh, attached to the university. Uh, Graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Technology. So a BS, basically. That's perfect for an attorney. It is a BS. I got my Bachelor of Science, and then I went on to uh, go to law school at uh, University of Detroit Mercy, uh, which is a private Jesuit school. That's pretty interesting for a Jew. <laughs> it's you know, it, it it's a combination of being interesting for a Jew and for someone who ended up being in the adult entertainment industry. So it's a <laughs> kind of a combo there. But yeah, I tell you, it's. Uh, you know, a lot of school, a long time. I'm, I'm, you know, 
bittersweet, happy that I got it done at the same time, very happy that it's behind me. Uh, I went in, I went into uh, practicing law on my own and starting my own firm almost immediately after uh, law school and and uh, jumped right into adult entertainment work just because of my prior work in the adult entertainment industry as a non-lawyer. Yeah, you worked your way through school uh, with adult sites, right? I did. It was uh, it was kind of a weird uh, thing. I was in, uh, I think it was late in my first year of law school when I realized that going to law school without really having any sort of uh, stable income was not exactly the the easiest path to go. Yeah. And, you know, I had an idea. I, I, I was always, you know, frankly, Bruce, I started off like many of the people in this industry did. I was a computer dork. I, I you know, I loved surfing the web. I loved everything about it. I still remember my first 9,600K U.S. robotics modem. You you might remember that, Bruce, because you're old enough. I'm, I'm well old enough. <laughs> but, uh, so you know, so during, uh, you know, that time, I, I was fortunate enough to make some acquaintances. And, and uh, ultimately, what I did was uh, I was running adult entertainment websites. I ran an affiliate program called Sidbox, uh through law school. So, yeah, so, some people remember it. Some people may not. It was uh, rigid. Brad Mitchell originally created it. And he wanted to uh, work on concentrating on his hosting business. And so worked out a deal with Brad where I took over Sinbox, uh and ran it for basically the duration of law school. And so while I was getting my education from law school, I was also getting my education in the adult entertainment industry at the same time. So it was a, a very, very, very busy few uh, first years. So that's how you met Brad. Yeah, it, you know, I met Brad in an interesting way. Uh, actually, did you guys do time uh, together or something? No, no, we didn't do time <laughs> together. But my first experience in the adult entertainment industry, like actually many people's words, I actually got ripped off on a deal. I was introduced to uh, a person who was supposedly a respected person in the industry, and and uh, I actually put together. I borrowed my last. I, I can't remember what it was now. It was like fifteen or twenty thousand, which you know at that time fifteen twenty grand was a you know it, it was it was very different than what it is now. So I remember putting that money together, and I and I gave it all to this guy, and uh, I trusted him, and unfortunately he my my trust was misplaced. Lucky for me, there were some people uh, in the industry who, at the time, as funny as is, my friend uh, Jeff Nice, who's been a longtime friend, was working at CC Bill, and he was my account manager. And Jeff actually gave me the heads up and said, "Hey, Corey, you know, I, I something. I just want to let you know, like, I, I I think something's up here, and I think you're getting taken advantage of." And uh, during that whole kind of course, I I met Brad because Brad was was local to the to the area where I grew up and lived. And uh, I told Brad my story. And, you know, for those of you that have met Brad before, you know that the guy has a heart and he's always opening his heart to everybody. And he he heard my story and he was like, I can't believe it. And that's when uh, I made the deal with him for uh, Sinbox. And uh, wow. Brad and I have been, yeah, since then. I mean, uh, we were, I was best man in his wedding. He was best man in my wedding. Uh, so it's been a uh, uh, long time, friendship, and uh, business relationship. That's uh, something that I'm very grateful for. Yeah, Brad's one of a kind. There's no two ways about it. He's been on this program many times. Yeah, I, 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 amazing that he's been on your program many times, and it finally took you this long to you know, get me to be on here for the first. So. Okay, okay. You're never going to let me hear the end of that, are you? So 
What was your journey in the adult entertainment industry beyond what you already talked about? You, you know, I, before I was running the pay sites, I, I was doing what everybody else was. I was an affiliate. I was, a, I was an affiliate mm-hmm. for all the, you know, back in the day, so to speak, we had, you know, all the, the major big companies in the industry. I was running around doing the same thing that everyone else was, launching free sites and creating TGPs and trying to make the most and trying to get listed on the hunt. And uh, funny story about that, my, you know, my, my dear friend, Patrick, who uh, he's been a wonderful uh, guide in the industry for me as well. I have a running joke with him when I was just a, uh, you know, a lowly affiliate. I, I was so desperate to get uh, listed on, on the hun and uh, Patrick just kept on rejecting me. <laughs> we, he, ne- he never thought my gallery was good enough. So we still joke about it to this day. And, and now though, I've actually, I've had the pleasure of, you know, giving him a little legal advice here and there and, and, uh, working with him, such a great guy, but it's just, you know, who knew that back then I'm an affiliate and who knew that, that later on, this is where I would go. But, you know, my path was a lot like a lot of other people's. It was, you know, a lot of struggle, a lot of heartache, a lot of working crazy nights, traveling to trade shows, desperately trying to make contacts and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and learn and grow and and took a long time, but like many of us. Yeah. It's, you know, it's an interesting career because people always say in the news, you always always hear mainstream media saying that the adult entertainment industry is a multi-billion dollar a year industry, which is actually true. But the actual business end of it is actually a relatively small community. It is. And let's face it, those dollars are pretty concentrated. Yeah, they are. And and that's, and, you know, so it's, but it's one of those things, Bruce, where I've been very fortunate to have gotten to know a lot of people over the year. I, you know, I've been able to watch many people have great success in this industry and, and help them with that. I've also had my share of seeing people, you know, fall in this industry, and and I've, you know, I've been able to to be there for them when uh, they've had to dust themselves up and get back up. But phenomenal industry. I love all the people in it, and and uh, you know, when I'm traveling all over the world, uh, you know, however many times a year it is now. It's uh, it's always good to, to to be with these people because believe it or not, it, even though you know to a certain degree everyone is competitive, but at, at the same time, it's an industry that people really do actually care and, and look out for each other. Yep, there's a lot of love in the industry, and I say it over and over and over again: we're a family, a family of miscreant. What is it, miscreant toys? Like from that? Uh, <laughs> what, what was what was that cartoon? I forget, <laughs> but you're right. There's <laughs> a lot of ways you could say it, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're an interesting family, an ancestral interesting family. So what types of clients are you representing now? Well, I mean, that, that's a, a crazy question because, you know, Bruce, one thing that's happened over the, the years is if you remember when time before time, going back almost 20 years ago, the idea of a tube site didn't exist. No one could fathom such a possibility. The idea of a campsite the size of Chatterbait was unfathomable or, you know, fan sites like OnlyFans. Again, these were all things that people back then really couldn't even imagine. So, you know, when I first started, although my clientele in many ways has stayed the same, in many other ways, it's changed remarkably because so many people's businesses have evolved. And so, these days, I find myself working with a, a ton of 
uh, fan site operators, uh, campsite operators, model management agencies are massive right now. Huge, 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 huge uh, base there. I mean, my phone's ringing every day about that stuff. And um, when I first started, there was less of a market for legal services for performers than it is now because performers quite candidly are now in business for themselves. So times have changed. So, you know, I'm even doing a lot more performer work now. So the thing that I've come to expect though, Bruce, about this industry is that, you know, one day I might be representing a massive amount of certain types of sites. Like, you know, go back eight years ago and my entire calendar every day was filled up with representing tube sites and dealing with intellectual property and copyright litigation. And, and, you know, well, that's died out. So what are we dealing with now? It's, you know, data privacy is, is, is the hot legal topic. So it just, it's, it, it evolves. And it's, you know, that's one of the things of, of my career that I'm lucky keeps things interesting, keeps me fresh on my toes, obviously. And, and so it, it really changes. And, and I suspect Bruce, when you, when we listen back to this podcast a few years from now, we'll, we'll listen to what things that we were addressing now and we'll be like holy shit like no nobody runs those sorts of sites anymore it's just how the industry goes yeah and we really have no idea in the next five ten years how things will morph that's for sure i mean you've seen it in your business bruce i mean just from the from the different types of sites that you've you've brokered i mean it's you know how much of your business is really brokering tube sites anymore probably not that much Mm, yeah, no, not as much as it was before. There's no, there's no two ways about it. There's not as much calling for it. Let's face it, especially with a lot of the things that are happening out there. The market has changed. There's still people who want tube sites, but it isn't quite as mass anymore. It's a little more niche, kind of like escort sites. Well, you can thank FOSTA, SESTA, and the United States government for that one. Kamala Harris, yeah, but uh, I won't get into my to my rant. Is it Kamala or, or Kamala? I, I, I always get it wrong. I don't really give a shit, to be honest um, with you. Okay, okay, that's good. <laughs> I didn't vote for her uh, in the primary. I think she's on TV right now, actually, running around. Oh, lovely. That's a good reason not to be watching TV. So what are some of the biggest disputes that you see in the industry now? Oh man, right now, ah, a lot of internal strife within companies themselves, ownership disputes. Um, one thing that tends to happen, there's two events that that make business partners start acting in ways that are not what's best for the business. One is you're, there's not enough money. And the other is there's too much money. And so, you know, successful businesses and, and businesses that run smoothly with lots of partners tend to run very smooth when they're right in that sweet spot. But when there's too much money or too little money, unfortunately, people sometimes forget histories and relationships and and, and all of a sudden things can get very heated. So, you know, I still see a, a ton of internal disputes in terms of control of, of adult entertainment companies. Man, right now, though, I mean, with all this data privacy stuff, seeing so much in terms of both private action, whether that's through private lawsuits or whether it's through government investigations. I mean, the the number of subpoenas through both private litigation and issued by government agencies is through the roof right now. So really? Oh, yeah. Seeing a ton of that. Uh, honestly, I, I couldn't even tell you how many different government agencies I talked to in a week just dealing with 
you know, different types of subpoena responses and such. So that's huge. Um, there's obviously uh, a lot of issues right now, as we're talking today, related to all the new age verification laws that are coming out from the individual states. So, you know, I would say the last month and a half or so, 70% of my day is being spent on the phone with clients talking about whether these different state laws apply to them, what they have to do, getting them ready for when they become effective. So ton of compliance work for age verification. Where do you see all that going? Uh, you know, honestly, I, I tell you, Bruce, first of all, these laws, in my, in my opinion, and this is just my humble legal opinion, I believe they're unconstitutional. The United States Supreme Court has already ruled on these, the, these sorts of issues. I think what the state lawmakers are doing is disgusting. I think what they're doing is they're trying to push their own anti-free speech, anti-porn agendas. And Well, look at Utah. My God. Well, it's, I mean, you see, it's nonsense because they can run, they can run around all day and they can say that this is about protecting children. And, you know, this is about putting the responsibility on social media platforms and, and such. And, and I say, well, wait a second, you know, how about putting the responsibility on the Utah parents, on the parents that, you know, ultimately are responsible for these minors and how they use their devices. And, And there's a huge discussion to have there, Bruce, but I'm going to tell you right now that forced lawmaking that suppresses speech time and time again has been a failure for the United States government. And so, you know, while the states might be pounding their chest right now and celebrating that they're, you know, making the Internet safer for children and such, they can, you know, take these little victories all they want. I'm very confident that when push comes to shove and these things end up in in the judiciary and they end up in federal court, that these state laws will ultimately be deemed unconstitutional. And uh, they're not going to be pounding their chest uh, too much longer. Sure, sure. But what's interesting about age verification, I believe that's an area. And granted, the states, uh, the Republican states, let's face it, these are the right wing people that are doing this. But I think the people in the adult industry, I know the people in the adult industry don't want kids on our sites. So in essence, in some ways we agree, but we certainly don't agree with these laws and the way they're being carried out. What do you think the answer is? Because I think everyone would like a solution. And my personal feeling is, I think if our industry had gotten together, which that in itself is a little bit of a joke, but if our industry had gotten together a long time ago and come up with some kind of an age solution, they wouldn't be able to pass these laws now because it would already be settled. Well, I don't, I don't think it would stop them. I mean, you know, one thing that we've noticed is that when, you know, I'll, I'll give you the FOSTA-SESTA example. The, the U.S. government had more than enough ammunition to be able to go after website operators that were operating sex trafficking operations and so forth. They, they had more than enough ammunition. There's been plenty of historical convictions where they didn't need FOSTA-SESTA. So I don't really agree with that, that it, you know, if we came up with something, the government would just back off. And unfortunately, what we've seen time and time again with the government is that when there's a political agenda to be pushed, the government is always there to push that political agenda. But the crux of it is what you said a minute ago is actually spot on. The fact is, is that responsible adult entertainment companies have no interest in minors coming to their sites. They have no interest in having people at their sites whose parents or guardians don't permit it. 
there is no desire to, you know, try to lure children to adult websites. Or at least certain politicians, no two ways about it. Yeah, because I, I mean, look, Bruce, historically, if you look at how the mainstream media and the government has portrayed the adult entertainment industry, they want to portray it as a, a dirty mattress in the middle of a dungeon summer with heroin needles lying around everywhere and dead bodies. And, you know, the, the stereotype and the notion that's been created is so far from reality that it's just, they're, they're so far off. And when these government officials and these legislators get together and they come up with these statutes, this, these state statutes that we're seeing right now for age verification, what's missing from the equation, Bruce? They're not talking to anyone in the adult entertainment industry. They don't come to any of the big companies and say, hey, what do you guys think? They just pass laws and they seem to know better. They know absolutely nothing about the day-to-day operations. And I'll tell you something else while you're on the subject. I have a lot of friends that are actually in politics and a lot of friends that are in law enforcement. And they will off the record, because of course, going on the record with anything adult entertainment related is dangerous, but they will off the record tell me constantly that FOSTA-SESTA, for example, is one of the worst laws that's ever come out because it has actually hurt law enforcement's ability to chase down real sex traffickers and real criminals out there. Right, because they used to have sites like Backpage, which Backpage is a whole other story, but sites like Backpage and other escort sites, they were able to use those sites to find the sex traffickers. That's correct. And the thing they don't talk about is how much cooperation there was. There was a high level of cooperation because responsible websites, if they heard from law enforcement that someone was abusing their platform for some nefarious purpose, they were happy to turn over that data to get those people prosecuted. I'll tell you something. I know of a escort site owner. You might know who I'm talking about, but I'm obviously not going to give the name. And the day that FOSTA SESTA passed, I ran into the owner at the Phoenix Forum, and he said, I turned my website off yesterday when they passed the law. He said, I don't, I don't look good in orange. And I'm sure you probably figure out who I'm talking about. And this guy had testified to the grand jury. He had, on a regular basis, cooperated with law enforcement over sex trafficking cases. And this guy was law enforcement's best friend. And now they didn't have the site and they didn't have him because of FOSTA-SESTA. They couldn't be happy about that. And what did FOSTA-SESTA really do? What FOSTA-SESTA actually did, the government seems to inaccurately think that a sex worker is going to say, well, okay, there's FOSTA-SESTA now, so I'm going to stop being a sex worker. It's the contrary. No, it, it pushed them onto the streets. Pushed them back to the streets, pushed them back to organized crime, back to the pimps, because these sex workers have bills to pay. And they're not just going to say, okay, well, I'm just not going to be a sex worker anymore because, you know, the federal government came up with FOSTA-SESTA. Yeah, I'm going to go work at Costco, yeah. Well, and and, and again, this is one of the – this is the narrow-mindedness of, you know, U.S. lawmakers who have absolutely no experience with actual sex work on the ground. None of them took the time to say, okay, you know what? Why don't we go ahead and let's actually talk to someone? Let's talk to these businesses before we create these laws. And they don't because truth be told, they're not interested in it. They, they really don't want that. They're more interested in getting their 
I call them popcorn headlines where they can run around and scream at the top of the hills that they got this new law passed and they've now succeeded in passing some legislation to protect children or whatever the hell they label it as so that the next time they're running for election, they can run around and throw it in everyone's face. (sighs) I know. I know. It's all for votes and everything these people do is for votes. That's the other part of it. So what are the most common mistakes you see newbies making today? Well, you know, that's another great question because right now there's so many people that, you know, I, I, I call them kind of the only fans generation because there's so many people who jump into the industry and they see these stories on TMZ and everywhere else about so-and-so jumping on OnlyFans and they're making, you know, millions of dollars a, a day now or whatever. And listen, I, I celebrate that all the time. I think it's fantastic. I, I think it's great. What OnlyFans is built, I think it's fantastic that performers have a way to go that they can go into business for themselves. I think that's all awesome. But the big mistake that newbies make is they think that jumping into the adult entertainment industry is as easy as take your clothes off, take a picture online, and then just wait for the millions of dollars to roll in. They don't understand how complicated of a business it is. They don't understand the legal aspects of it, the financial aspects of it, the social aspects of it. And they don't think about these things before they jump in. So the, the, the you know, the biggest mistake that I'm seeing right now, are the, the best thing or best way I could, I could really put it, Bruce, is a lack of education for new people getting into the business. They don't understand the business. They don't, they don't want to take the time to learn it. They're more interested in just, I want to make money as quick as possible. And some will succeed. Some will make a ton of money and they will lose all that money very fast or they'll end up getting sued or they'll end up in jail or God only knows what else will happen. But the the mentality of just being able to jump in and make millions of dollars overnight is a bad mentality to have because that's not reality. It is a myth. It's no different than than the, you know the the Yeti or the Loch Ness monster. They're not re- they're, they're not real. And, you know, the pot of gold on the other side of the rainbow is not there the second you open up an account or you start live streaming yourself on a campsite. That is not reality. You have to be smart. You have to be taking steps to secure yourself. When I say secure yourself, I'm talking about keeping yourself safe. Okay. How can they do that? Well, first of all, you've got a number one. One thing that I tell all, you know, new people jumping into the adult entertainment industry is that. Remember that once something is online, it's never coming back. No matter how bad you want it to and no matter how brilliant you think you are on the internet, once it's out there, you assume it's going to be there forever. Number two, if you have anyone in your family, if there's, if, if you are in some sort of relationship with a husband or a wife or a parent and there is some level of, okay, if that person ever finds out I'm in adult entertainment, I won't be able to live with myself because it will destroy that relationship don't get into adult entertainment. You should be having a conversation with the people that you love, the people that you care about, that you know you want those relationships in your life that you can't live without. You should be having conversations with them ahead of time. It is too difficult to have the conversation after. If you make the decision to get into the adult entertainment industry, at that point, you have to start thinking about safety, safety for yourself and safety for your loved ones. So simple things such as picking the name you're going to use, you're using... Uh, your email address, you know, your your phone number, your home address. The, there's so many simple mistakes that people make that put them in harm's way. And I'm not saying harm's way from people in the adult entertainment industry. No, it's in harm's way from consumers and people out there that have bad intent. 
all the crazy people out there. My God. Listen, I love adult entertainment consumers. They're fantastic. They, you know, they, with the performers, they make the world go round. They pay us, let's face it. Yeah. And, but there are people out there that are not interested in being consumers. They're not there for entertainment. They're there because there's something wrong with them. They are, you know, they're criminals, they're, they're sociopaths, what have you. And their real interest is to do harm to someone. And they're often armed, let's face it. Well, they're armed, but now a gun or a knife isn't necessary anymore to ruin someone's life. When you see what some people have gone through in the industry with doxing and identity theft and outing, when, when I say outing, I, I mean someone who may or may not have a sexual preference or a sexual identification and someone you know wants to quote unquote out that person for some nefarious purpose. These are all things that, that could potentially go wrong. And, and so the, the biggest mistake that I see newbies making is they just, listen, I'm all for, if you want to get into the adult entertainment industry, do it. But you need to be educated, you need to be knowledgeable, and you need to do it right. There, there's too many people who are jumping in because, again, they're chasing what they perceive as being quick dollar signs, and they're not thinking of what can go wrong. And, and, and that's a big mistake. I think everyone should go through some kind of an orientation, which we should make available to newbies. Well, there's some great, there, there are actually some incredible people that I've actually come across. Like I've come across some people in this industry who like legitimately, you can reach out to them and you can call them anytime. If if you're trying to get on, on the business end of things, you can call Brad Mitchell day or night. And have a conversation with Brad about, you know, what you want to do in terms of business. And he will be more than happy to sit there all day long and talk to you about it. I, I you know, I, I know guys and who have been in the industry, you know, forever. Guys like Jeff Nice, who I was talking about earlier, another guy who knows everything about the industry. You could talk to him all day long. Just stop at that bar across the street from Chase Field. <laughs> well, he, you know, he'd be more than happy to help you out. There's so many people. I mean, I could go on and on and on about the people who want to stop and actually have a conversation with you and help you if you reach out. And same thing for performers. There, there are some incredible people out there that I've, that, that I've come across, you know, even currently, you know, people like Melrose Michael, uh, Siri Dahl, Nikki Knight. These, these are fantastic, successful women in this industry who, who you can, you know, you can go to, you can talk to them and they're there. They, this is another myth about the adult entertainment industry that, you know, somehow people within the industry are, you know, unsociable or, or they're not willing to talk or guide you. But that's quite the opposite. But you've got to seek out these people. If you want to be in the business, you've got to learn who these people are that are the people that you can trust and talk to versus, the you know, the, the people out there that I don't consider them real adult entertainment people because they're not interested in adult entertainment. They're, they're criminals. They're, they're interested in taking advantage of people. Yeah. And you can add me to that list, by the way. I always tell people that, hey, look, if you're looking to get, especially into the business end of this business, I am more than happy to talk to you and help you. And of course, we've got a general consulting firm that can give formal. I thank you for that because you kind of birthed it because you you gave me that advice because I told you, you know, I remember we were talking at the Phoenix Forum and I and I said, yeah, I give people, you know, advice on their businesses. He goes, you said, do you charge? I go, no, you said why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bruce, you've been you've been in the business for for a long time. You're an industry veteran, and 
you know, there's a reason why you have the experience and you can give people quite a bit of information and guidance on things. Because I've made all the mistakes possible and now I know. And that's the other thing. You don't want to be hooking up with the people that just want to stand there all day and tell you how great they are. That's not what you're looking for. To me, the people that I'm looking for in the industry are the ones that aren't afraid to admit and stand up and say, I screwed this up. I made this mistake, you know, because nobody gets to go straight to the top without falling down 800 times on the way. That's just how it is. But you don't have to do it. See, and that's the part that I always feel bad about because you don't have, you don't have to learn the hard way. The resources are, are out there. You know, my, my dear friends, Kathy Beardsley from, from SegPay, you could sit down with Kathy Ask her for advice and talk to her not just not just about credit card processing, about all sorts of of issues in the industry. And she'll sit there and and she'll talk to you and and guide you and take your calls. And again, just it's another example of of of, of someone in the industry who is on top of her game, but at top of the industry, but at the same time won't hesitate to help someone out who has questions. Yeah, and this guy named uh, Corey Silverstein, too, uh, is another one that I'd recommend talking to. By the way, you mentioned Kathy. really love to get her on my podcast. Maybe you can cajole her to coming on because I would love to get Kathy's view on a lot of things. And uh, Top 50 Forbes Businesswoman of the Year. Yes, I know. I know. Kathy's awesome. And Kathy knows I think she's awesome. And I'd love to have her on on my podcast. And another thing you didn't mention, by the way, that you probably held back on because it would sound self-serving, but I'm going to say it. And I say it all the time on XBiz when people are asking about things. Talk to a lawyer. You know, if you're starting an adult business and you don't talk to an attorney first, you're making a big mistake. And and you, Corey, you know, you know we've done a lot of work together. And you're always available if I have a question. And I know you're not gonna charge me if I send you an email or a Skype. You know, people need to talk to a lawyer. People need to get legal opinion, or they're really blowing it. And the other thing is have agreements. People should, if they go to the trade shows, they should sit in on one of your seminars, because you're very good at explaining all this to people. I, I mean, I appreciate you saying that. I learned a long time ago, I was taught at a very younger age when I first started getting invited to panels and speaking events was never to make it about me. I always make it about the audience. So I, I never go on these things and I, I really have very little interest in, you know, sitting there and talking about myself. I'd rather, you know, I'm trying to present a topic. But if it, listen, if I had even $5 for every hour that I've spent, you know, giving free advice to someone in the industry, I frankly would probably be in a lot better financial situation than I am at this point in my life. But truth be told, Bruce, you know, I, I go to trade shows and I've, uh, you know, there's a, there's some of my competitors out there that they, if you want to talk to them at a trade show, they charge you to sit down with them. I, I never believed in that. I thought it was silly. I've never turned down a meeting at a, at a trade show as long as I've gone to them. You sponsored one show and you were sitting there and people would come in and they could talk to you all they wanted. Yeah, I've done that too. I, I've sponsored a lot of uh, trade shows. I spent a lot of money on, you know, supporting trade shows that I frankly believe in. I think there's a lot of really good organizations out there that still know how to put on a good trade show and, and frankly, they need the industry's support. I think there's also a lot of bad trade shows too, but that's a whole other topic for another day. My broker tip today is part six of how to buy a site. Last week, we talked about the sales agreement. So now both you and the seller have signed the agreement. 
what comes next? There needs to be an escrow setup where you send the money, whether it be a one-time payment or a deposit if you're going to be making payments. The seller, for their part, puts the assets of the sale into escrow, namely the domains being sold and any other tangible assets. Your attorney can give you more information on that. We recommend escrow domains for escrows. They're a firm out of Washington, D.C., and no, they're not paying me to say this. I just use them, trust them, and am delighted by the work they've done for us. Either an escrow agreement will be drawn up by them in the case of a custom escrow, or if it's a simple one, it can be done right on their website. Then you, the buyer, the seller, and the broker will be contacted by escrow domains with further instructions, such as wiring information. The escrow is opened, and either the deal closes within a matter of days, or an inspection period is allowed. It all depends on what the agreement calls for. Whether you need an inspection period really depends on whether there's still some information you need to find out prior to the deal closing. Your broker and your attorney can advise you more on this, and it's on a case-by-case basis. Then the money is transferred, as are the domains, and the deal is closed. Now, in many cases, in fact, most of the time, the seller either stays on board for a period of time to help with the transition or is at least available on an on-call basis to answer questions. This is something most buyers should ask for. But at this point, you pretty much own the website. What do you do now? We'll talk about that subject more next week. And... Next week, we'll once again be speaking with adult attorney Corey Silverstein of Silverstein Legal in part two of our interview. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Corey Silverstein. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.